the teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone, and thank you once again for joining us. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and our goal is to acquaint you with these teachings as well. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. Hi, Terry. Hi. Our focus today, Tom, is on Christhood and how we mm. must learn to believe in, accept, and embrace our birthright as potentially Christed beings. Oh, boy, we're doing it again, aren't we? Doing what? <laughs> well, tackling controversial spiritual beliefs. Do you think maybe we need a disclaimer? Well, like what? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let's just say that we are not trying to be intentionally provocative. What we share here, and what we always try to share is the Ascended Master's perspective on the spiritual path. Well, this isn't exactly a show about flower arranging, is it? <laughs> no. No. Well, we're all about freedom, soul liberation, self-mastery, and literally becoming God. Right, and it is our, seer, our sincere desire to share subjects with you that transcend the mundane. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with mundane topics. Well, but frankly, though, we've got bigger fish to fry, as it were. So, uh, uh, so what we are choosing to put our attention on are things that make a world of difference in your earthly existence mm -hmm. for, for your soul's immortality and for providing key milestones on the path to your ascension. So we focus on things like personal Christhood. Which, by the way, is one of the core messages Jesus came to teach and impart to mankind. But here comes the controversy. Yep. Jesus taught that we each have the innate God-given ability to become the Christ as he demonstrated. And again, we know that to some this may be sacrilege, mm -hmm. and we apologize if we have unintentionally offended anyone. <laughs> but despite the fact that the concept of attaining personal Christhood, as Jesus did, may run counter to much of modern Western orthodoxy, it is actually something we are all intended to achieve. And may those who are ready to hear this hear it loud and clear. Amen. <laughs> Your soul knows this is true. You know, when you think about it, and when you recall Jesus' words, these things that I do, so also, so also shall ye do in greater things, the truth will surely dawn in the minds of those who cherish truth that Jesus' message was one of hope, and of embracing our highest potential, namely becoming the Christ. And what does it mean to become the Christ? And that's the question of the moment, isn't it? The Ascended Masters tell us that the Christ or Christed One is fully imbued and infilled by the light of God. This light, the Christ, is literally the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Perhaps even more to the point, becoming the Christ means attaining Christ consciousness, mm -hmm. the attainment of a level of consciousness commensurate with that which was realized by Jesus the Christ. And there you have it. Now, is this something we've been taught in our churches and synagogues? Well, unless you've been very fortunate, the answer is probably no. And we'll get into why this is so later on. But for now, we'll just repeat this very important point. Attaining Christ consciousness, becoming the Christ, means that we literally realize the level of consciousness that Jesus and all of the great saints and sages of East and West who we know as the Ascended Masters, have attained. You know, there's another way we might express this idea. We refer to the individual expression of the universal Christ consciousness as Christhood. Mm -hmm. On the spiritual path, the individual Christ self, the personal Christ, is actually the initiator of the soul. That's right. And when the individual passes certain initiations on the path of Christhood, he or she earns the right to be called a Christed one. Okay. 
So as you're listening to this, you're hearing us referring to the Christ, Christed Ones, Universal Christ, Christ Consciousness, Christhood, and Christ Self, <laughs> and it all may seem somewhat confusing. Which is understandable, given the level of education we may have received on this subject, which we alluded to a moment ago. So let's just say this. Your Christ Self is your higher or real, capital R, Self. And your own individual Christ self is your inner teacher, your guardian, guide, friend, and your advocate before God. Right. Your Christ self is the universal Christ individualized for each of us. It is the real self of every man, woman, and child to which the soul must rise. The Christ self is the mediator between the individual and God. Now, if you've been listening to this program for any length of time, you've heard us refer to the figure eight flow. This is the flow of energy from the heart of God through the Christ self, to the heart of man. If you were to see it depicted graphically, it would appear as a figure eight pattern. Uh, our I am presence, our own individualized manifestation of God, is at the top of the image. Mm -hmm. Our Christ self is in the middle, and we're on the bottom, all connected by the flow of energy from God along this figure eight flow. This is all shown quite clearly in the chart of your divine self, which you will find on our website at www.tsl.org. And it is truly worth your time and study to know who you really are and who you've got on your side as you travel the spiritual path. Okay, so so what do we do with this knowledge about the fact that we have a Christ self, mm -hmm. a direct connection with our own I am presence, the core of our very real connection with God? Well, I don't know. Celebrate? Rejoice? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I know that what I have done with this knowledge is to recognize the tremendous opportunity that I, well, that we all have been given by the example of Jesus and by the inspiration of the teachings of the ascended masters to claim our true birthright as a son or daughter of God. And to become the true and rightful inheritors of the kingdom of heaven as we are intended to be. If we choose to seek it, we will find that the consciousness of Christ is everywhere. And on that note, we've got a special little gift for you. Yes, we do. Today's live program is being broadcast just a few days before Christmas. You know, so if you're listening to this program from our program archives, the following excerpt might seem a little out of place. Nevertheless, we thought it would be appropriate to make a connection between Christ and Christmas. Now, this is really something that we should keep in mind actually all year long, yeah. not just at Christmas. The following is an excerpt from a dictation given by our own beloved Lunello, one of the two messengers of our movement, and himself an ascended master. This portion is titled simply, The Spirit of Christmas, recorded for us here by our own Terry Kennedy. Do we have it ready? Yes, we do, and here it is. The Spirit of Christmas The Spirit of Christmas is a being of great, great light and buddhic attainment. The one known as the Spirit of Christmas is therefore come to tell of the birth of Jesus Christ against the backdrop of nature's darkest hour of the year. The announcement at winter solstice of his star appearing is a great drama of cosmos, and it is here to teach us that in the darkest night of man's longing, there does appear the star of hope and the birth of the Savior. I enter the spirit of Christmas so that you may understand that it is entirely possible for more than one Son of God to participate in a holy office, to co-occupy the divine intent upon the twig that is bent, upon the very point, the focal point of a quartz crystal embracing a world of fiery intent. Dear hearts, I therefore come as the spirit of Christmas, as you might anticipate the coming of the one known as Santa Claus. Remember the heart of a child, your child, yourself, thinking about the coming of Santa and how he would enter the house, and how you would leave him cookies and milk, and perhaps even a snack for the reindeer. Remember how, in fullest belief, because your parents had told you, you entered into that spirit of Santa. 
and remember also the disappointment upon learning that Santa was not real. But this is not true. Santa is real, and I am here to tell you that Santa Claus himself is the typical vessel of the spirit of Christmas, the one who embodies this very presence which I have entered. It is wrong to tell children that Santa is not real. It is right to explain to them the spirit of Christmas is indeed a person, a person made real in God, a person who is a cosmic being, who fills the hearts of the people with the anticipation of the greatest gift of all, the gift of personal Christhood. Those things that bring delight to children, games and toys and things and rings and stockings, beloved hearts, originally the gifts given to the child of every heart, were intended to enhance the child's perception and realization of that person of Christ. Therefore, understand that this spirit embodies the collective consciousness of Christhood of the entire spirit of the Great White Brotherhood, of all ascended beings and angels and masters, cosmic hosts of the Lord, who are that Christ. Let us realize, then, that in all symbols there is reality. In archetypes there is the original pattern of the image made perfect out of Christ. And in Santa Claus himself is the lingering hope in all that the figure of the cosmic Christ will come to bring the true joy, the joy of the heart, filled with love. I enter into this spirit to bless many who have not yet contacted our word, our love, or our message. I know that you understand and can share with me in a certain sense of an increased desire, a fiery desire and intent to contact millions of souls who in truth have a propensity for the light, but need that special recipe, that special teaching and understanding, the visual aid, the uncovering of truth. You know very well how the tastes of people the world around differ, and therefore the dishes from many nations have a very peculiar flavor, a peculiar way of eating. So the people of these countries, from all corners of the world, do have great differences of palate. Therefore, beloved, realize that in the breaking of the bread of life, one must develop a taste for a certain dish. And it is our desire to make tasteful the teaching of the violet flame and of all that we so cherish, all that is a part of our climbing of the highest mountain. And therefore, because each step of the way, each new altitude, each new mark of heightened sense of God-awareness requires a new teaching, so the volumes of our work must be like rocks that set the path to the summit of each man's being. Enter now the spirit of Christmas and be it. Be it every day of the year. Blessings. Blessings full and not without cheer. Be the spirit of Christmas and see how much the spirit of Christmas desires to be you. And realize then, in all those years of looking forward to Santa's coming, Santa has looked forward to coming to you, has desired to be one with you, has worshipped the light of the Christ in your heart, has sensed himself a servant gnome, the chief of gnomes, in the worship of the newborn child. Uh, thank you, Terry. Now, when we return, we will hear an excerpt from a lecture given by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the relationship of the Word and the Christ, the science of the spoken word, and much more. Please stay with us. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. 
And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back. In the following excerpt from a lecture given by Elizabeth Clare Prophet titled, The Power of the Word, we will gain a deeper understanding of the eternal Christ, the Word, and what the idea of the only begotten Son really means. If we could all read Akasha, the records of all that has ever transpired on earth, we would look back to the years of Lemuria and Atlantis and to civilizations unrecorded, and we would find priests and priestesses at the altar intoning the word which they also understood to be the Logos, the eternal Christos. Christ means anointed one. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so that Christ who has manifest in us and through us from the foundations of the world is the one who comes to anoint us by the word, as the word, and as the communicator of the word. I could begin my thesis with any of the world's great teachers. I could begin at any point in time and space, whether with Krishna or Confucius or Lao Tzu or Buddha or Mohammed, and I could begin with the word whom John proclaimed. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It is not a coincidence that Christ, out of the Greek, comes out of Logos and means Word. Word with a capital letter tells us the function of our own real self as the communicator of reality. I would like to talk to you this evening about my experiences with the Word, my searchings of scriptures at East and West for the confirmation of the Word. But I think it all began when I was a little child and then later when I was in high school and later in college. I had three key experiences in which God revealed His Word to me 
And these experiences were frightening experiences because I came so close to the sacred fire that is God. Our God is a consuming fire. It was in a moment of communing with God and calling upon God, a moment of great need that I cried out to him and I asked him to respond and to deliver unto me the answer to my call. And on three occasions I can remember, out of my desiring and my contact with the Lord's Spirit, I called for a manifestation, and within the hour, the manifestation was met. It was a simple, mundane request. I was somewhere in the middle of the United States, and I needed to get to the other coast quickly. It was an emergency, and I said, God, you get me there. And I no sooner walked out of my dorm that there was a man standing there saying, Does anyone want to go to New Jersey? And I said, I do. And he was ready to take off. I had never seen him before. And all the girls in the dorm said, You're crazy. What are you doing going out with a man you've never seen before? I said, I'm going. I was home in record time, like 20 hours. But I was frightened because I had called to God and that manifestation was so clear. It wasn't that I didn't know that God was an ever-present loving being in my life, but I was beginning to see, and this was the third experience that I had had, that there was a force, there was a power, there was an energy, and there was a science that somehow when the fire welled up within me, creating a fountain that would reach God, God would arc back, and somehow the matrix that I had set forth would instantly be fulfilled. I knew that I was standing in the presence of a tremendous power, and I began to think what that power will do when mankind discover that power and how very near that power is. So I began to search and search for the science that I knew existed. And of course, we've all read of the words of Joel, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I sensed, and I think many of us are sensing, that we live in an age that is the turning of cycles. It has been 2,000 years. The age of Pisces is merging into the age of Aquarius. There are new energies, and we are having visions and dreaming dreams, and we are feeling the Lord's presence. And the charismatic movement is sweeping the churches, while others are leaving the churches because they do not find the Lord's Spirit in the churches. They are seeking within the heart. Within the temple of being, they are seeking the reality that they know exists. We have a right to seek. We have a right to know God. We have a right to claim our inheritance. But we must keep humble before this awesome presence, even as we are humble before the nuclear reactor when we know there is that atomic energy, that nuclear fission, and energy is released. We have respect for science, whether it is material or spiritual science. 
All science involves energy and the equation of energy. I believe that God is energy, and I believe that the energy of God is locked inside of us, and I believe that all of the great teachers of East and West have taught us that the way to unlock that energy is through the science of the spoken word. I also believe that the name of the Lord is a key. Reference is made to the name of the Lord again and again, but the name is concealed or else it is not used. The only place that I could find in all of scripture where the Lord reveals his name and says, this is my name, is in Exodus 3, 14. When Moses experiences the phenomena of God as a fire, God as fire has always intrigued me because it is a sacred fire, and fire is something that transcends planes of consciousness. I've discovered that in all of the world's major religions, the great leaders of all time have at one time or another experienced God as a living flame, a tangible flame. But the Lord God spoke to Moses out of the flame that burned in the bush, and yet the bush was not consumed. Can you imagine a fire speaking to you? Our God is a consuming fire. Moses was a very humble soul. He was a shepherd tending the flocks of his father-in-law. And he was commissioned by God to go back to Egypt and to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. An enormous task. Their culture, their way of life was totally involved with the Egyptians. He had to convince them that he represented God and that God had sent him. So he speaks to the flame and says, what is your name? And whom shall I say sent me? And God speaks back to Moses and says, I am that I am. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I am that I am is more than a name. It is a power. It is a statement of being, whose being, God's being, where. Where else can God be but within the temple of the heart? Within the temple of man, his manifestation. Where do we look for God when we look for him? Do we look for him in the wind and in the stars and in the sun or in the center of the earth? Or do we look for him in the highest of his creation, his sons and his daughters? We can only translate God by going from the known to the unknown by the process of induction. To find him, we have to find a point of contact. Our point of contact is consciousness. We can speak the name I am that I am, and we can declare being and consciousness. We can also say, God is where I am. And by the power of his word, he can also speak his name where I am. Searching and searching again concerning this name, I found that then when there was a settling of darkness and people forgot God, it is recorded with the coming of Seth. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. I find that in the Hebrew scriptures, right from the very beginning of the book of Genesis, where it says that the Lord God created man, after our image and after our likeness, 
created he him. I find that the Hebrew term for God is Elohim. And I find that Elohim is recorded about 2,000 times in the Old Testament, where we read in English, the Lord God. This is very interesting. Elohim is a plural noun. It suggests a plurality in unity. This plurality created man after our likeness, male and female. We experience then the polarity of the masculine and feminine action of the universe, the passive and the active, the Alpha and Omega who come forward in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Why is this name omitted and why are we not allowed to experience God as a plurality? Is there a danger that we might come to understand that the declaration of being and the affirmation of God's being is in his heavenly hosts, in his emissaries, in archangels and angels and seraphim and cherubim and all of the key figures who move in and out of the Old and New Testament, walking and talking with Abraham, with Lot, coming to the prophets, speaking to them, coming to Mary in the figure of Gabriel, coming in the figure of Archangel Michael, coming as the two men in white apparel. When we start counting up, all kinds of visitations occur whereby we suddenly realize that God and all of his wondrous manifestations as the heavenly hosts, as that which we call the mystical body of Christ, is actually a plurality in unity. This never detracts from the fact that God is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It doesn't detract from the fact that God is a trinity, a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There is a great mathematics of God. There is only one God and one only begotten Son, and yet one times one times one always equals one. For the purposes of time and space, we find that the great spirit of God is individualized over and over and over again. Take away time and space, and I dare say we would not figure ourselves separately, but we would all know one another as a one spirit, as many rays emanating from the one source. Um, up next, our weekly Q&A. And today, once again, we are joined by Dr. Narrowly Duffy. Please stay with us. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible 
so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Thank you, and we are back. And joining us today is Dr. Narely Duffy. Hi, Narely. Hi, guys. Hi, Great Nerly. to see you. Thanks Good for having you. me back. Oh, you're so welcome. This idea of the universal Christ is a somewhat thorny issue in the West, isn't it? Um, you know, how do we reconcile this concept of personal Christhood in light of what we may have learned in our churches and synagogues? Well, as I think about <laughs> that, it's it's always been there if you kind of pay attention to the words of Scripture, like Mrs. Prophet was talking about mm-hmm. the word Elohim or or the Christ, Jesus the Christ. What does the Christ mean? So I think it's there. It's the indwelling not light. It's the Christ. It's the Buddha. But it is somewhat hidden, and maybe there was a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Well, again, uh, what what do you think it is that's behind the attempts over the last 2,000 years to at least preempt <laughs> yeah, mm, and veil? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> preempt and veil the concept of our personal Christ potential. Well, I think that the forces of absolute evil entrenched on the planet in the person of the embodied fallen angels are those who have the most to lose and nothing to gain by us becoming the Christ. <laughs> yeah. So imagine what would happen to civilization if we really knew and understood in a deep way that we could all become the Christ and then actually become it. And the light <laughs> would simply displace the darkness. There would be no more uh, problems. Our government would be a, a God government. There would not be the uh, unholy kinds of discussions that might take place. It would be everybody agreeing together in one place. And I think if people realize they have a unique spiritual destiny, and one of the keys to fulfilling that destiny is recognizing that you have a d- direct relationship with God, I think everything else changes from that point. So I think this very concept that you keep coming back to is one that's very threatening to the forces that are not benign. Well, you know, in, in regards to those um, forces of darkness, um, obviously, as you said, they have a vested interest in mm-hmm. our staying in darkness, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said uh, on previous programs, um, this idea that the fallen ones need our light because they have none of their own mm-hmm. in order to continue their survival, mm-hmm. we could, in a moment, one of these great ahas, this epiphany, simply take the life away from them, couldn't we? Right. And and the big message of the Ascended Masters and their messenger is that you have way more power than you think you have. <laughs> yeah. You're just this little humble, you know, you're Tom, you're Terry, mm-hmm. I'm me, We're, you right. know, what can we do? But um, this message is getting out over the airways, and it is a tremendously powerful message. Yeah. It can well, change lives and, and even the world. Well, yeah, and, and I know that um, it, it does make a difference when you're introduced to an idea that your soul knows, even if your your conscious mind may not. I, I know from personal experience that broaching the idea of Christhood with some, um, mm. you know, family members, friends, acquaintances, 
has often led to an almost, you know, fanatical response. I mean, right. I've gotten anger, disbelief, accusations of pride, I mean, idolatry. How do we break this down to help people understand that they have a God-given right to know and understand their own potential crisis? Well, I think we have to explain it in simple terms. I think we can tell people, you know, did you realize that you have a higher self <laughs> and you don't have to die and go to heaven to see your higher self? It's, it's in the chart. And I find the chart is such a, a unifying thing. This is the chart of the divine self? The chart of the mm-hmm. divine self that you can show to people. And if they're interested, um, you can answer their questions. And if they're not interested, you've planted a seed. So yeah. um, I think we just catch the shells that are... Uh, thrown up on the seashore, but we don't try to run back into the deep to find them. And if it's meant for them, they will catch it on the next wave. Yeah, right, right. Well, you know, clearly we're up against some very entrenched orthodoxy. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and, you know, I know we keep coming back to this question, but where's the value, really, in keeping this knowledge hidden from people? I mean, we've kind of touched on it there, yeah. but do you have anything deeper? Well, it, it's a... Um, I think it's a two-edged sword, and what I think about is if you want to hide something, hide it in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think, really, it's everywhere. I mean, it's on the network. Here we are talking about this very subject mm-hmm. that 2,000 years ago was somewhat hidden. Um, I think it is about control and power and the misuse of power. And so, in one sense, if it's hidden, those who need to find it will find it. But eventually, I think it's going to be shouted from the rooftops anyway. And I think it's no accident Mrs. Prophet's best-selling book is Fallen Angels. <laughs> yeah, it's a powerful book. Yeah. You know, I, I've thought about this many times, the fact that um, it's like that book, if you're familiar with it, The Hundredth Monkey, you know, where at a certain point, consciousness catches fire. And that um, up to that point, you never know if you're going to be that one yeah. who tips the balance. Yeah, when yeah. do you reach critical mass? Right, when do we exactly. like have the explosion in consciousness? And I think I think we're getting there. Right. Oh, praise God. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know, given the fact that simply offering this awareness of our potential to become the Christ ourselves, as Jesus taught and demonstrated, may not lead to immediate comprehension or acceptance. I mean, do we keep silent? That's always the question. <laughs> and and um, when to speak, when not to speak. And when are we wise as serpents and harmless as doves? We really mm. have to rely on that Christ consciousness and the Christ self to tell us when to speak and when to to be silent. And I think it's an important important key. And I think we also have to realize that, um, you know, the consciousness of the Christ isn't always wanted. I mean, Jesus said, I, I come not to bring peace but a sword. Right, right. There, there will be the dividing of the real from the unreal. And some will embrace it, and even the ones that you think might not. And then sometimes you think, well, my, my, my mom would just love this, and you find out she's a little bit upset with you. So. Uh, yeah. you yeah, that's been my experience. And, and I, I know, too, that we've been admonished you know, not to cast yeah. pearls before swine, yeah. uh, not to refer to anybody yeah, as swine who may not choose to believe. <laughs> but uh, we're careful. Yeah. We're, we're judicious in how we apportion the wisdom that we do have. And that's why it's a saying, it's a maxim of the Brotherhood of Light, to know, to dare to do and mm. to be silent. Yeah. And I think more often than not, I, I keep silent and I listen and I observe. And when I get that tap on the shoulder, I speak. Yeah. You know, in this vein, the Ascended Masters have taught us that we should never, you know, challenge mm-hmm. another's beliefs uh, unbidden, so to speak. If they ask, of course, we're free to share what we know, but we should be careful not to volunteer this knowledge. <laughs> Again. You kind of touched on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, who can, who can know the path that God has laid out for each soul? Well, I think the Christ self of each one does know the path for each soul. And I think sometimes it's given to us 
uh, to know about another person. Well, you know, I, I think in, in that vein, one of the things that, well, I should speak for myself too in my, in my pride, there have been times when I have thought I recognized a mistake or an error in another's yeah. thinking or, or speaking, and I wanted to correct what I thought was that error. When in fact, later on, I realized looking back at my yeah. own path, I yeah. made a ton of errors, but they all added up yeah. to an equation that eventually led me here. Yeah. Well, as long as each step is a stepping stone in the right direction, you know, it may be, seem like a diversion, but that whole maxim of, you know, gosh, I must have needed to learn from that mistake, <laughs> so I made it. Well, and yeah. I, I appreciate all those who bit their tongues yeah. <laughs> while they watched yeah. me go through it. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> oh. Really something. You know, so I think that um, it, it probably seems prudent to refrain from preaching uh, and instead, you know, maybe uh, inspire by example. <laughs> you know, mm. any, any tips on how to do this without making karma? Well, um, again, I keep coming back to it. You can ask your Christ self what to say. Um, I like to get permission first. You know, may I share something with you? Um, I think there's something that might help you. Mm. Watch the reaction. Not interested, just let it go. Interested, you know, just, it's like telling children about something. You just kind of feed a little bit and see where... Just a little bit at a time, yeah. Yeah. Don't give them the whole smorgasbord at once. They can't digest it. Just give them... And yet there are those ones that just go, give me everything, I'm going to eat it all. They're they're on fire in an (laughs) instant. I think I was one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I need it all, and I need it yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what is the Ascended Master's prescription for, and this is a big phrase, putting on the Christ? Yeah. I think you do the things that you know that Christ would do. You say the things that you know Christ would say. And I think the Beatitudes are a beautiful place to start. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. And I think we have to realize also that that um, Jesus was a very, very real person. And all the Christed ones are very real. And that doesn't mean they don't have a sense of humor and they don't have fun and they don't have times of seriousness and that maybe their robe doesn't get dirty from time to time or that they sweat or that they cry. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. realizing that it's very real and and what ultimately it comes down to is people will see the Christ in you. How do you recognize the Christ? You see it in one another and then you go, I want to be like that. I know. In fact, I overheard someone saying uh, in reference to a person that we both know said, I want some of what she has. Mm. You know, it was very clear that there was something that was inspiring them. And I also know, kind of in that vein, but maybe on a tangent, that when we do end up really fully recognizing and embracing this opportunity, there have been many embodiments where we have run, headed for the hills. You know, yeah. we, we say, oh, I'm not sure I can be this person that I think I need to be in terms of witnessing. So I'll go to a cave, I'll go to a monastery, I'll go to a convent, mm. I'll, I'll hide out mm. and make sure that, you know, through that principle of uh, enlightened self-interest, take care of my own soul. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the well, best. Well, there's cycles for that, isn't it? There, there's these yeah. times when you're meant to be a monk and a nun, and there's times when you're meant to be out in the world. And some of the monks and nuns got sent out there to preach as well, didn't they? Well, I would say this seems a time, yeah. looking today, where we need to be out there. I mean, yeah. it's not a question of... You can't hide the light anymore. Yeah. It's desperately needed, and perhaps yeah. it is up to us yeah. to be that hundredth being that tips the scales and creates the critical mass that we're, we all and pray will occur. Right where you are. I mean, you know, you yeah. can St. Francis preach to the birds. You know, you can talk to whoever. God will send you the people that you're supposed to talk to. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And if you're you know. if you're preaching to the birds, actually, it's going yeah. out into the ethers, and exactly. so it's going out to people, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you heard of that little book, Imitation of Christ? By oh yes, absolutely. Yes. That is a great bedside book. It, it tells you how to become the Christ. So does that one Corona class lessons by Jesus and 
Kathumi, that that's a great bedside what, what, book. What are they saying in that? They're saying that you can become the Christ in little keys like humility mm-hmm. or love mm-hmm. or compassion mm-hmm. or you know little keys on how to do it because it comes down to those little practical things, isn't it? Oh, it does. And I, I'm remembering, uh, and thank you for this memory, <laughs> <laughs> this little anecdote. Um, as some of you know, I, I studied to be a priest, a Catholic priest, and um, for a time at least I did. And one of the books that I was given as a gift by, of all people, the Dean of Discipline, was the, the, <laughs> he knew what I needed. Sorry. He knew what you needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he gave me Imitation of Christ. <laughs> and that led, and I told him this at one point, he was aghast at first when he heard it. I said, you know, I realized in reading this book that my God is bigger than this yeah. church and that you have sent me on a path, thank God. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. So it was yeah. quite... That caused you to leave? Kind of well, it, I left and, and you know, hopefully rose higher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least that's how yeah. it felt at the yeah. time, and I know now it was true. Yeah. Anyway, we've got to take a break here, but please don't go away. When we return, we'll continue our discussion of personal Christhood and other issues with Nairly Duffy. Please stay with us. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back once again for more discussion on the concept of personal Christhood with Narrowly Duffy. You know, in the interview, or in fact, I should say the lecture that we heard a few minutes ago with Elizabeth Clare Prophet, she spoke of the relationship of Christ and the Word. What exactly is the Word? What does it mean? Yeah, she talked about the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and God has always sent his representatives and the Christed ones who embody the Word or the logos and so the word christ becomes it comes from the greek word christos which means mm-hmm. anointed so 
a Christed one, one who embodies the word, is one who is anointed or literally endued and infilled with light. And wherever they go, where their feet touch the earth, the light is anchored and mm-hmm. they become the example of the path of personal Christhood. And there's probably been many of those. They're, they're pretty unique, uh, but every age has their Christed ones. And in this age, we're meant to have many Christed ones. Uh-huh. All of us <laughs> intended. Well, you reminded me of something that she said um, about the fact that if you go back through ancient civilizations, those that uh, have been recorded and many that perhaps have not been recorded, mm-hmm. that in the beginning was the word, and that they have all, all the priests, the spiritual mm-hmm. movements mm-hmm. intoned mm-hmm. basically the same idea or ideal. Yeah, exactly. It was the word, the logos. And I was thinking about that when you told your story about being a priest. I mean, many of us in that sense... Mm-hmm. recognize that in the past we have been priests and priestesses and we have sounded forth the word and when she spoke in her opening uh, sentence about Atlantis and Lemuria and I'm thinking, yeah, there was <laughs> yeah. priests and priestesses then and we kept the flame and that's what we did and, and there's that inner calling that people have again and you can speak the word now. You can yeah. speak at prayer or yeah, and, and it's it's always available. It's everywhere. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking about the fact that um, what drew me Mm. initially to that choice it It was to be closer to god certainly and i just felt this this hunger but i knew it was the right thing to do when i sat in the chapel we had this huge stained glass window and the sun would just come Mm. blazing through it and we'd be listening to and actually singing Mm. gregorian chant oh there was a there was an essential purity Mm. there that i knew i had experienced before and of course in those days we didn't talk about reincarnation we didn't believe in it Mm. so it was not a question of whether or not i had a memory but I knew in my heart and my soul that this was something that I really knew the deepest core of my being. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, with this opportunity, understanding, yeah. I now know much more about what that was and the fact that I've done it a lot, yes. it was, as we all have. We've all done and it And we a lot. all have. I remember the first time I heard Gregorian chants. I'm going like, whoa, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard this before. This oh, is yeah. awesome. I know. Well, yeah. yeah, there's a, there's actually a science to the Gregorian chants. Yes. Oh, there's quite a science to it, yeah. yeah. I had the great good fortune, actually, to be taught how to how to conduct it. Oh, did you? Yeah, and it's very fluid. It, it looks, uh, your your hand is kind of doing almost like a, these fluid Figure, motions yes. around the notes. Yes, and exactly right. Figure eight flow was, it was sideways um, and up, up, up. You know, it was amazing. Well, you know, there's that whole, we could get off onto this, but that's okay. Let's, thing, let's go there. This whole thing about, the, you know, it's music and, and the sounds of the spheres that actually holds the planet together. It's the word, it's the mm. intonation of the word. There's a, there's a vibration, and people, I had an uncle who was deaf. And he would hear music, oh, this yeah. heavenly music. And he asked my father, who happened to understand, we said, well, you're hearing the music of the spheres. That is the music that sometimes great composers can bring down. Handel's Messiah. I mean, Oh, gosh. Oh, anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we know from the teachings of the Ascended Masters that we each embody the word, uh, that we are literally one with the only begotten Son of God. Can you expand on this concept? Mm. Well, the only begotten Son of God is the universal Christ, and that Christ is a mediator, figure eight flow again, between (laughs) the spirits, the planes of spirit and the planes of matter. So the universal Christ in the only begotten Son of God is personified in your Christ self, the mediator between the spirit of God and the soul of man. Mm. And so we've talked before about our Christ self being that little voice within that speaks and tells us Mm -hmm. what to say, when to speak, when not to speak, gives us guidance. So Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, became one with his Christ self. So the Father and the Son dwelt fully in Jesus, 
and Paul testified to this. So mm-hmm. the Christ self is the Christ of Jesus and the Christ of you and the Christ of me. And that's the real only begotten, begotten Son of God. Oh. I see. You know, I, I'm going to just, on, on that, in that vein, I'll just turn this back um, again to a point you kind of made a moment ago. Um, we heard Mrs. Prophet speak about the turning of cycles, the ending of the 2,000-year age of Pisces and the advent of the age of Aquarius. Is this indeed a time when the concept of our individual Christ consciousness and potential will begin to truly dawn in the minds and hearts of mankind? Absolutely. And she has said that this time is the time that's written of in the book of Revelation, and we're living it. We're actually living those prophecies. And so there are times and cycles in cosmic history, and this is a time for the rising of the Christ consciousness again. It's the time that's prophesied. There will be a great dawning in the minds and hearts of mankind of the Christ consciousness. And then the government will be upon his shoulders, which is the shoulders mm. of oh, the universe yeah. of Christ. And won't that be refreshing? <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. Well, you know, and we, and we look at the world. We, we, we've talked uh, at some length in different shows, and, of course, we've alluded to it today. That the, the world's kind of a mess yeah. in many respects, but does that, is that kind of a harbinger of the and, awakening? And it's, it's almost like, um, how bad does it have to get before people wake up? And people are waking up. And Thank so God. they do know. And sometimes it's just a cycle. It's like the pendulum. It swings over there, swings back, <laughs> swings back again, and we wait for that middle point. So you have to catch those waves and cycles. And this is one that, is absolutely a time for talking about the Christ. Oh, surf's up. Yeah, yeah surf's and, up. Catch okay. that way. <laughs> and you know, like karma and reincarnation, oh. when I first was exposed to these teachings, 1974, 73, 72, around there, uh, those were phrases that uh, hardly anyone was using yeah. except and, for... You at know, least not in the West. They're so out yeah. there now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. everywhere. You know, I, I, people say, you know, don't don't steal that. That's bad karma. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, karma is not the queen of Detroit. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's obviously great power inherent in the, in the realization of our Christ potential. How do we handle this realization, and how do we keep it from, say, spiraling off into idolatry and fanaticism? <laughs> well... That, that's very true, and, and one of the, the big things that Jesus feared, and it's spoken about in the book Community by Elizabeth Clare Prophet, she said, Jesus feared to become an idol, yeah. and the least important thing that could happen to us is um, to have um, the prophet with us physically. That's really not what it's all about. You know, so Jesus here or Jesus there. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus is inside, so, so worship of Jesus is one thing, but the way is really the imitation of the Christ. And so one way, your your question was, how do we avoid the idolatry and the fanaticism? It's the humility. You know, Christ was humble. Um, Jesus had the balance of great power and yet great humility. His, he submitted to the forces of this world. He allowed himself to be crucified. So we have to always be on guard um, to avoid pride and to seek the spirit of humility and to not be idolatrous about ourselves and others. And in fact, really, if you respect the Christ within, you realize that Christ is in others, and you will be humble mm-hmm. and, and, and an even better representative of the and, Christ. You know, and it brings up how humbling he must have been to have gone to the Middle East, to have uh, you know made himself a student of, mm-hmm. of the masters there to learn those things. Mm-hmm. When he went to the East. And, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and traveled and, during, between the right. ages of 12 and 30. Yeah, and and was taught by his own teacher, and they said that he could have, you know, literally been the teacher himself, but he humbled himself yeah. to learn and to take those first steps. So he's being an example for us. 
You know, um, I, going back again to what we heard from Mrs. Prophet, you know, we do have a right to seek. Mm. We have a right to know God. We have a right to claim our inheritance. Um, are you concerned that there might be a militant reaction against those who have espoused a limited belief in our true Christhood? I mean, I don't mean to trivialize this, but isn't it possible that there are maybe some who might feel cheated of their birthright and be, shall we say, um, a bit miffed about it once they get the truth? I think we can expect it. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus said, as they've done it to me, so they will do it to you. Yeah. And the servant is not greater than his Lord. But I think you can turn the tables and help them to realize that, you know, there's nothing to be jealous or worried about. You know, we all have the Christ light within us. And, you know, except you see the fallen angels, it comes back to them. You know, when they know that mm-hmm. um, they don't have the light, they're very jealous of those who carry it. So it does take courage to proclaim your Christhood. Well, I think what you just said is that we probably know that the fallen ones will step up yeah. their attempts to thwart yeah. where it is that we are going by virtue of the fact that we're going there. Yeah. And that by virtue of our light, we become exposed, I guess. I, I mean, the, well, yeah. we can't hide our light. No, you can't hide your light under a bushel. And you have to uh, know when to defend it and when to speak you know, one thing, you remind me of this. Um, I had a very good friend, in fact, somebody who was instrumental in my own spiritual path, who um, could be quite dramatic in his expression of his beliefs. I, at one point, wanted to run away. I, I literally see him coming and go, ah, going the other way, until I got the fact that you can't unknow what you know. I mean, there's a basic truth and understanding inherent in Christhood that even a glimmer of it, you realize that, that this is a sweet in the tongue, bitter in the belly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, oh, it, it, it infires you, but yet you can't hide from it anymore. It's 24-7 at that point. Yeah, and, and that's really true. I mean, do we put on our Christhood once a year at Christmas? <laughs> right. Or do we on Sunday, the, yeah. or, or Sunday, <laughs> or do we seek to do it, you know, all day, every day, and listen to that little voice, and it'll tell us when to speak, mm-hmm. and when to proclaim, and when to be silent. Yeah. Uh, while the concept of universal Christhood may not have made an appearance in the Bible, the name of God, I am that I am, and the term Elohim certainly do, as, as Mrs. <laughs> Prophet talked about. Mm. I think we can accept the name of God as given to Moses, but can you tell us a little bit more about the Elohim? Well, the Elohim are the manifestation of God referred to as the Lord God in the Bible, and so it's the figure of God in the person of the Redeemer. So in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve spoke with the Lord God, who was the manifestation of Elohim, Mm -hmm. as in Genesis, or the one who spoke to Moses. So the Lord God is the representative of the Elohim, who who is literally the incarnation of the I Am Presence. Mm -hmm. So when you're speaking Elohim, you can take it also very personally and say, it's a form recognizable by those of us who live in physical bodies. Um, it's like the individual I am presence coming down to us. Um, well, so when the prophets and saints of old um, walked and talked with God, they were doing so with the Elohim. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, uh, a- and there are many names of Elohim, you know, Elohim peace. Mm. Yeah, Elohim yeah, Hercules, just... God's power. Um, Apollo, wisdom and illumination. Some of those Greek gods and goddesses actually were the names of the Elohim. And even though they may have had a, an imperfect understanding of it, they actually were tuning into these manifestations of God as Elohim. Yeah, so these are some of the names that, that our listeners can, mm. can recognize that, mm. you know, it's, mm. it's lexicon, lexicon. Yeah, lexicon. Lexicon. 
the lexicon. Easy for you to say. Been <laughs> <laughs> practicing it. Yeah, I was hoping practice. you would ask me that word. I think, I think I'd, I'd loan Terry my rented lifts today. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, um, some of the names that we do recognize that are Elohim have come to us, as you mentioned, through myth. Yes. And it's kind of hard in a way to separate the myth from the, from, yeah, the from the reality. It's almost like Hercules, to yeah. some minds, is kind of a cartoon character almost, yeah. when in fact we're talking about a very high, yeah. godlike, yeah. one of the pluralities of God. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's pretty now, amazing to think. Now, Hercules took incarnation. Yes, and he's one of the few Elohim that actually did. So now, he, now that's a pretty amazing story. How does that happen? Well, he volunteered, offered, <laughs> came down, and went through the labors of Hercules, yeah, both sure. labors. Uh-huh. And it's a, yeah, it's a profound thing. And so he's one of the Elohim that you can call to because he understands what it's like to be in a physical form, physical body, and to go through all the tests that we do. Well, well, uh, once again, an hour has just, um, swooshed by. Um, I want to thank Dr. Nairly Duffy for joining us today. Well, I really enjoyed it. And being with for you. engaging in such a lively conversation. Yeah. Uh, remember, if you have a question or feedback about anything we've discussed today or at any time, or for more about the teachings of the Ascended Masters, please send your comments or your feedback to webradio at tsl.org. And in the meantime, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out, out of, of this, this world. world. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.